0: Hey there, this is Nathan Agan and welcome to The Working Actor's Journey. We are back with another workshop presentation from the rehearsal room. Today we have a scene from Julius Caesar from February 2021. Uh, The scene today is Act 1, Scene 2, pretty early in the play. Caesar is still with us. Uh, Cassius, who is envious of Caesar, begins to work on Brutus. He sees Brutus is unhappy. He reminds Brutus of his ancestors, how they had freed Rome, and that the people are turning this weak man of Caesar into a king. Then Casca enters from the forum and shares how Caesar refused the crown. Cassius sees that he's still going to have to work on Brutus a bit. Now, uh, before I get into a little bit more details about the scene today and the cast, uh, I just want to let you know if this is your first workshop that you're listening to, you can catch up on all the previous workshops featuring Richard III, King Lear, Troilus and Cressida, Midsummer, and As You Like It. They're all on the podcast, they're all out on YouTube, so lots of ways to either listen or watch. And, of course, the other thing that we have going on coming up next week, starting Monday, September 13th, we are doing the next session of The Rehearsal Room featuring Chekhov. And uh, our director is the former artistic director of the Oregon Shakespeare Festival and the former artistic director of the Indiana Repertory Company and the former Dean of CalArts Theater. Uh, Libby Apple will be joining us. She translated five of Chekhov's plays and we're going to be working from her text on Uncle Vanya, a scene from Uncle Vanya. Super thrilled about that. Her co-translator, co-author, Allison Horsley is going to be our dramaturg for the session. We have a wonderful cast of, uh, professional actors and newer, younger actors joining. So it's just going Going to be a lot of fun. I'm really excited to be diving into different material with a uh, different focus and uh, yes Ursula Meyer is uh, our voice coach for the sessions and what's really fun is she worked with Libby and Allison you know knows them both from Oregon Shakespeare Festival and because of the magic of technology and all these things we can bring people to- together from disparate parts of the globe and they can all share their expertise and wisdom and knowledge and, and curiosity on Checkoff. so uh, all of that being said there is still time to grab an audience spot you can sit in on rehearsals or watch the replays to discover you know how the director and the cast and the creative team find their way into Uncle Vanya we're uh, we're doing most of a scene from Act 2, uh, and, uh, you know, it's a great ensemble scene. You know, of course, these these plays have a lot of great ensembles, uh, but we have six, uh, you know, great actors and, and great characters in there. So go to workingactorsjourney.com. You can find links to sign up as an audience member. It's still a great deal, uh, only $27 for all four weeks to, you know, sit in and, and get all this information. Plus there's some other stuff that you can take advantage of uh, during those sessions. And uh, I will mention we also have a new program that we're going to be sharing soon, and it's called Acting the Role. Now, it's a chance to learn from and work directly with a lifelong professional actor who has played a specific part. You as a student or actor have the opportunity to dive into intentions and motivations with that character, to ask your questions about, you know, why does the character do this or, you know, anything else that might be coming up, and you have a chance to work on the text. And, you know, like many of our programs, whatever role we pick and whoever the professional is, you can be there no matter your race, your your gender, your age, you know, uh Anyone can play anything. That's the beauty of this. So uh, it's not limited to you know specific types of actors or or ages or whatever. You know if if a seventy five year old person wants to play you know a, a young character or you know a, a, a 18 year old wants to play a 60 year old character it doesn't matter it's all about exploring the text and just exercising your muscles uh, and uh, I love that we can do it in this way so that you know here are people that have actually been playing the role very often they've played it multiple times in their career so of course you know you learn different things each time you come back to it. Uh, and so it's really exciting to be exploring this format and, and to be creating that. And like all of the things we've been doing, you know, there'll be an opportunity to, you know, be in there and work directly. Uh, or if you just want to sit in on all the sessions, we'll have those audience spots too. Hoping to roll out more information about that really soon. Now, be sure you're on the email list to be the first to hear about that. Uh, And again, you can go to WorkingActorsJourney.com to sign up uh, for the email list. But if you're on there, then you will be one of the first to know when we open up Acting the Role. Okay. Back to our episode for today, Julius Caesar, the cast we have, fantastic actors, Peter Van Norden as Brutus, and if you've been uh, listening to previous workshops, uh, Peter played Clarence in Richard Third. he was part of uh, our uh, live stream readings, uh, and uh, he's just a wonderful, wonderful actor. We also have Elizabeth Dennehy as Cassius. So, again, I mentioned just a moment ago, you know, we can do gender swapping here, and it doesn't matter. It's all about the work. It's about the process. And I'll mention, I forget if it comes up in this specific episode – Elizabeth was kind of nervous, uh, uh, to work on this role because she'd always, she never really paid as much attention because it's a play full of guys. And so she hadn't really focused on it as much. And so it was really, uh, exciting, a great challenge for her. And she's really good in the scene. So I, I think you're really going to enjoy, uh, listening to her work and, and talking about it. And then, uh, Howard Leader played Casca. And, you know, this is another part that Maybe you have an idea of who this guy is or how you're supposed to play him, uh, but Howard and Jeffrey specifically, you know, they talk a little bit about it, you know, finding that guy, and Howard made him so interesting and so fleshed out, and, and you know, you'll hear it. It's, it's mainly a scene between Brutus and Cassius, and yet Howard comes in, and, man, does Casca leave an impression. Uh, and, and I, you know, I, I remember telling Howard, it was such, it was so interesting, like it was just all of a sudden this new person and, and, you know holding your own against peter and elizabeth uh is is really impressive and really cool to watch and so howard did a you know some great work here really excited for you to you know hear this the scene is directed by jeffrey wade who has been part of uh, many of our things and uh our dramaturg was gideon rapaport again he's been involved in many of these workshop presentations and we're always grateful to both jeffrey and gideon for all they bring Okay, that is enough for now I think, so without further ado, here we go with the rehearsal room presentation of Julius Caesar from February 2021. My name is Nathan Agan I'm uh, uh, the host uh, and producer of uh, The Working Actor's Journey, which uh, started as a podcast. And then over uh, 2020, we did some live stream readings. And uh, then that blossomed into these workshops uh, that we've been doing, which have been uh, really fun and uh, really successful. Uh, everybody's really enjoyed them. Uh, and so just to give you a little bit of uh, an intro of what we've been doing here, if this uh, is totally new to you, uh, over a month. Uh, we have a, a director and, and a, a team of actors uh, work on one scene over that month. And uh, as any of these uh, artists can attest to, uh, that is an extreme luxury uh, to be able to uh, just work on one scene over the month. Uh, you know, if you're doing a production, you're lucky if you have uh, three or four weeks of rehearsal uh, and very quickly, you're usually getting up on your feet and staging it. And so to have the time to really just dive into the, this material and, and mine it for everything's worth, uh, everybody's really enjoyed that. Um, and. Uh, the focus has been just to really explore the text uh and and what's been fun about uh this particular group is um the director jeffrey has used a couple of uh, exercises that i think really uh, epitomize what you can do when you really have a lot of time uh, and maybe we'll we'll get into some of that uh, or discussing some of that we uh are planning to do future workshops and so uh we'll definitely let all of you know uh you know about those if that's something you would like to be interested in in terms of you know being an actor in the scenes or observing the rehearsal weeks or just you know attending uh, this kind of night again uh and we also uh we're very excited to launch a coaching program so that um uh, a number of the actors and artists that you see tonight and and over the course of the week uh, are available for uh, one-on-one coaching private coaching uh, in acting and Shakespeare and auditions and singing. So, uh, I, I can put that link uh, in there as well. And when I send out the uh, replay, I'll put out links uh, for all that stuff as well. Uh, one of the nice things about really focusing on the text is that it allows us to do uh, gender blind casting, age blind casting, uh, color blind casting. Uh, if you were present for the midsummer scene, uh, we did on Monday, uh, you know, there was definitely, uh, we definitely explored that, you know, what, what the lovers typically might be cast as. We just kind of threw that out the window and, uh, you know, involved a, a number of great actors. So that's been another exciting part of doing this. And, uh, each, each actor that did not register, uh, for this, you know, we have the actors that have been doing this for a long time and, and, uh, quite experienced. And then there were actors that were uh, either newer or uh, younger. They registered and they, in addition to doing these weekly rehearsals, worked with uh, both a text coach and a voice coach over the course of this month. So that was really great to offer that uh, opportunity to those actors and they can explore even more in depth what it's like to work with these kinds of professionals. Uh, And uh, tonight is uh, really just a continuation of the workshop. Different groups handle these differently, but um, you might see the group want to go back and rework a section, uh, try out something. So it's just kind of up to the group, but it, it we want to give you uh, an opportunity to see what it's like to, uh, you know, be kind of a fly on the wall uh, in this process. Now let me do uh, a, a introduction of everybody. Um, let me go through that really quickly. We have a nice long list of participants. Again, thank you all so much for being here. Really thrilled that uh, you could all join us live. Uh, but, but the director for this evening is uh, Jeffrey Wade. Uh, Gideon Rappaport has been the dramaturge uh for the month. Uh and then in the scene, uh Peter Van Norden is Brutus, uh, Elizabeth Dennehy is Cassius, and Howard Leader is playing Casca. And uh all of them right now are off stage, quote unquote. Their uh mic uh uh cameras are off, but when they come on for the scene, uh you'll you'll see them there. So um that I think covers it for me. And at this point, I will turn it over to Gideon, who will uh, talk a little bit about uh, where we we'll play and bring everybody up to speed. So, Gideon, off to you.
1: Okay, thank you. Um, I'll just say a few words about the play. There are two traditions about Julius Caesar and his assassination that Shakespeare inherits. One is the pro-Caesar uh, idea that... Um, the universe is hierarchical. Caesar was the consolidator of the Roman Empire, though he didn't live to be emperor. Um, and the overthrow, the assassination and overthrow of Caesar was a great world-class disaster, um, akin in the secular realm to the um, crucifixion of Christ in the spiritual realm. Um, the other tradition was the anti-Caesar tradition. and pro-Republican that thought of the conspirators as um, defending the Republic of the Senate and overthrowing a would-be tyrant um, who had all kinds of weak characteristics as a person. Um, And both those traditions are received by Shakespeare, and he needs to attend to both of them, and he does in this play. Um, But ultimately, he comes down on the side of the... um, hallowed Julius Caesar as the founder of the empire. And the way he does it is by recognizing a difference between Caesar's life and body and Caesar's spirit. Um, that has more to do with what happens in the later part of the play, but uh, it touches on what we're going to see tonight because we're watching act one, scene two. And in that, Cassius is trying to reach Brutus with the idea of doing something about Caesar's incipient intentions to become emperor or king. Um, And then Casca comes in, and he is also feeling the same way, an anti-Caesar idea. Um, Brutus is the most honorable man in Rome at this point, and they want to win him over to the conspiracy because of his reputation for nobility. Cassius begins the scene by... Uh, doing what he can to persuade uh, Brutus, and then Casca comes in. And the one of the elements of the scene you'll notice is that um, Cassius is going to be speaking almost entirely in verse, and Casca almost entirely in prose. And this um, rhetorically recreates the the difference in their characters, which I won't tell you about because uh, I'll let the actors do that. Um, but both of them are in the business of trying to undermine this idea that Caesar ought to be the absolute monarch of Rome. Uh, I think that's all I want to say to introduce. And so I'll turn it over to Jeffrey, who will introduce the scene.
2: Uh, hi. Hi, everyone. Hi. Uh, I'm Jeffrey Wade. I uh, directed this scene. We've had a great just a wonderful time working on it um, you're we 're going to go through it a couple times tonight we 'll go through once and, and uh, i 've asked the actors to take slightly different approaches to that, which we can discuss later. I really hope that uh, you guys will have uh, people who are watching and i 'm delighted to see so many people uh, that you will um, ask those questions on the chat to <clears throat> excuse me to Nathan. Or, uh, hang around afterwards and ask us in person. Um, we've, we've made some really interesting journeys on this. Uh, I'm going to now just with, actually, I, I, I'm going to have the actors come on and introduce, introduce themselves. Then we're all going to go away. So, um, actors, can you just switch your cameras on for a second? And, um, just so we know who's playing which, um, uh, Elizabeth, why don't you start, introduce yourself and. Who you're playing?
3: Hi, I'm Elizabeth Dennehy. I'm playing Cassius.
4: And Peter? Hi, Peter Van Norden, Brutus. And Howard? Howard Leader.
2: I'm playing Casca. Great. Now, uh, if you guys will all go off and I will, um, just take one more second, uh, to say that, um, once we get everybody gone. There we go. Uh, good. So we're about to start. I want to give the actors, um, You know, enough time to settle themselves and remember all the stuff we've been doing before they start. So, off we go. Enjoy.
3: Will you go see the order of the course?
4: Not I. I pray you do. I am not gamesome. I do lack some part of that quick spirit that is Antony. Let me not hinder Cassius your
3: desires. I'll leave you. Brutus. I do observe you now of late. I have not from your eyes that gentleness and show of love as I was wont to have. You bear too stubborn and too strange a hand over your friend that loves you.
4: Cassius, be not deceived. If I have veiled my look, I turn the trouble of my countenance merely upon myself. Vexed I am of late with passions of some difference, conceptions only proper to myself which gives some soil, perhaps, to my behaviors. But let not, therefore, my good friends be grieved, among which number, Cassius, be you one, nor construe any further my neglect than that poor Brutus, with himself at war, forgets the shows of love to other men.
3: Then, Brutus, I have much mistook your passion. By means whereof, this breast of mine hath buried thoughts of great value, worthy cogitations." Tell me, good Brutus, can you see your face?
4: No, Cassius, for the eye sees not itself, but by reflection, by some other things.
3: Tis just. And it is very much lamented, Brutus, that you have no such mirrors as will turn your hidden worthiness into your eye, that you might see your shadow. Hmm. I have heard where many of the best respect in Rome except immortal Caesar. Speaking of Brutus and groaning underneath this age's yoke, have wished that noble Brutus had his eyes.
4: Into what dangers would you lead me, Cassius, that you would have me seek into myself for that which is not
3: in me? Therefore, good Brutus, be prepared to hear. And since you know you cannot see yourself so well as by reflection, I, your glass, will modestly discover to yourself that of yourself which you yet know not of. And be not jealous on me, gentle Brutus. Were I a common laughter, or did use to stale with ordinary oaths my love to every new protester? If you know that I do fawn on men and hug them hard and after scandal them, or if you know that I profess myself in banqueting to all the rout, then hold me dangerous."
4: What means this shouting? I do fear the people choose Caesar for their king.
3: I do you fear it. Then must I think you would not have it so.
4: I would not, Cassius. Yet I love him well. But wherefore do you hold me here so long? What is it that you would impart to me? If it be aught toward the general good, set honor in one eye and death in the other. And I will look upon both indifferently, for let the gods so speed me, as I love the name of
3: honor more than I fear death. I know that virtue to be in you, Brutus, as well as I do know your outward favor. Well, honor is the subject of my story. I cannot tell what you and other men think of this life, but for my single self, I had as leave not be, as live to be, in awe of such a thing as myself. I was born as free as Caesar, so were you. We both have fed as well, and we can both endure the winter's cold as well as he. For once, upon a raw and gusty day, the troubled Tiver, chafing with her shores, Caesar said to me, darest thou, Cassius, now leap in with me into this angry flood, and swim to yonder point. Upon the word, accoutred as I was, I plunged in and bade him follow. So indeed he did. The torrent roared, and we did buffet it with lusty sinews, throwing it aside and stemming it with hearts of controversy. But ere we could arrive at the point proposed, Caesar cried, Help me, Cassius, or I sink! I, as Aeneas, our great ancestor, did from the flames of Troy upon his shoulder the old Anchises spare so from the waves of Tiber did I the tired Caesar." And this man is now become a god. And Cassius is a wretched creature and misbend his body of Caesar carelessly, but nod on him. You gods, it doth amaze me a man of such feeble temper should so get the start of the majestic world and bear the palm alone.
4: Another general shout. I do believe these applauses offer some new honors that are heaped
3: on Caesar. Why, man, he doth bestride the narrow world like a colossus. And we petty men walk under his huge legs and peep about to find ourselves dishonorable graves. Men at some time are masters of their fates. The fault, dear Brutus, is not in our stars, but in ourselves, that we are underlings. Brutus and Caesar, what should be in that Caesar? Why should that name be sounded more than yours? Write them together. Yours is as fair a name. Sound them. It doth become the mouth as well. Weigh them. It is as heavy. Conjure with them. Brutus will start a spirit as soon as Caesar. Now, in the names of all the gods at once, upon what meat doth this our Caesar feed, that he has grown so great? Age thou art shamed. Rome, thou hast lost the breed of noble bloods. When went there by an age since the great flood? But it was famed with more than one, one man. When could they say till now that talked of Rome, that her wide walks encompassed but one man, now is it in Rome indeed and room enough when there is in it but only one man? If
4: you do love me, I am nothing jealous. What you would work me to, I have some aim. How I have thought of this, and of these times, I shall recount hereafter. For this present I would not, so with love I might entreat you, be any further moved. What you have said I will consider, what you have to say I will with patience hear, and find a time both meet to hear and answer such high things. Till then, my noble friend, chew upon this. Brutus had rather be a villager than to repute himself a son of Rome under these hard conditions at this time is like to lay upon us.
3: I am glad that my weak words have struck but thus much show a fire from Brutus. The games are done and Caesar is returning. As they pass by, pluck Casca by the sleeve and he will, after his sour fashion, tell you what hath preceded worthy note to me. I will do
4: so. But look you, Cassius. The angry spot doth glow on Caesar's brow. All the rest look like a chidden train. Calpurnius' cheek is pale and Cicero looks with such ferret and such fiery eyes as we have seen him in the Capitol being crossed in conference by some senators. Casca will tell us what the matter is.
5: You pulled me by the cloak. Would you speak with me?
4: Hi, Casca. Tell us what hath chanced today that Caesar looks so sad. Why, you were with him, were you not? I should not then ask Casca what had chanced. Why, there was
5: a crown offered him. And being offered him, he put it by with the back of his hand. Thus. And then the people fell a-shouting.
4: What was the second noise for? Why, for that too.
3: They shouted thrice. What was the last cry for?
4: Why, for that, too. Was the crown offered him thrice?
5: Aye, Mary was, and he put it by thrice, every time gentler than other, And at every putting by, mine honest neighbor shouted. Who offered him the crown?
4: <sighs> Why, Antony. Tell us the manner of it, gentle Casca.
5: I can't as well be hanged as tell the manner of it. It was mere foolery. I did not mark it. I saw... Mark Antony offered him a crown. Yet it was not a crown, neither. It was one of these coronets. And as I told you, he put it by once. But for all that, to my thinking, he would fain have had it. Then he offered it to him again. Then he put it by again. But to my thinking, he was very loath to lay his fingers off it. And then he offered it the third time. He put it the third time By. And still, as he refused it, the rabblemen hooted and clapped their chopped hands and threw up their sweaty nightcaps and uttered such a deal of stinking breath because Caesar refused the crown. That it had almost choked Caesar, for he swooned and fell down at it. And for my own part, I durst not laugh for fear of opening my lips and receiving the bad air.
3: But, soft, I pray you. What, did Caesar swoon?
5: He fell down in the marketplace and foamed at mouth and
4: was speechless. It is very like, he hath the falling sickness.
3: No, Caesar hath it not, but you and I and Honest Casca, we have the falling sickness.
5: (laughs) I know not what you mean by that, but I am sure Caesar fell down. If the Tagrag people did not clap him and hiss him according as he pleased and displeased them as they used to do the, the players in the theater, then
4: I am no true man. What said he when he came unto himself? Mary, before he fell down, when he perceived the common herd were glad he refused
5: the clown, he plucked me open his doublet and offered them his throat to cut. And I had been a man of any occupation. If I would not have taken him at of word, I would, I might go to hell among the, 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 the rogues. And so he fell. When he came to himself again, he said, If he had done or said anything amiss, he desired their worships to think it was his infirmity. Three or four wenches where I stood cried, Alas, good soul, and forgave him with all their hearts, but there's no heed to be taken of them. If Caesar had stabbed their mothers, they would
4: have done no less. And after that he came thus sad away? Ay." Aye.
3: Did Cicero say anything?
4: Aye, he spoke Greek.
3: To what effect?
5: (laughs) Nay, and I tell you that, I'll never look you in the face again. But those that understood him smiled at one another and shook their heads, but for mine own part it was Greek to me. I could tell you more. Morales and Flavius for pulling scarves off Caesar's images are put to silence. Very well. There was more foolery yet, if I could remember it.
3: Will you sup with me tonight, Casca?
5: No, I am promised forth.
3: Will you dine with me tomorrow?
5: Aye, if I be alive, and your mind hold, and your dinner with eating.
3: Good, I will expect you.
5: (laughs) Do so. Farewell, both.
4: A blunt fellow is this grown to be. He was quick metal when he went to school.
3: So is he now, in execution of any bold or noble enterprise, however he puts on this tardy form. This rudeness is a sauce to his good wit, which gives men's stomach to digest his words with better appetite. And
4: so it is. For this time I will leave you. Tomorrow, if you please to speak with me, I will come home to you. Or, if you will, come home to me. And I will wait for you.
3: I will do so. Till then, think of the world. <laughs> Well, Brutus, thou art noble. Yet I see thy honorable medal may be wrought from that it is disposed. Therefore it is meet that noble minds keep ever with their likes. For whoso so firm that cannot be seduced? Caesar doth bear me hard, but he loves Brutus. If I were Brutus now, and he were Cassius, he should not humor me. I will this night, in several hands, in its several windows, throw, as if they came from several citizens' writings, all tending to the great opinion that Rome holds of his name, wherein, obscurely, Caesar's ambition shall be glanced at. And after this, let Caesar seat him sure, for we will shake him, or worse days endure.
2: Well, thank you. Gosh, that was... <laughs> that was really good, you guys. R- really good. Uh, do, do you want to come back on? Everybody, come back. Uh, I, I hope you guys were happy with that because I, I certainly was. I have a few little things, and I think we can, we can have a e- even more fun the next time through. Uh, but first of all, let me ask you uh, how you guys felt after a, a week off and a, another. Uh, we, you know, I've I've found um, that often taking these long breaks uh, i've done just a couple of shows where we, we, we uh, productions where we did a production and then there was a several months break and then we did the exact same production again um and um th- they seem to get better with just like time with not working on them in in a, in a sort of um like wine or whiskey or some so oftentimes just that time seems to be a good thing so maybe taking these weeks between uh is useful anyway how did you feel about, uh, what happened that time? And let's start with uh, Peter, since you're at the bottom of my stack.
4: So it felt like it was a week off. Yeah. <laughs> there was a um, few of them. Yeah. There were, there were a lot of good stuff in it. I mean, there was a lot of stuff that you come to anew again after a week that, uh, sort of feeds you in a kind of interesting way, uh, which is kind of fun. Um, but yeah, I mean, every time you make a little word burble or something like that, you realize you haven't really rehearsed it in a week. So yeah, then,
2: good. Well, we're, we're going to do it again, so don't, don't worry about that. Um, Howard, any thoughts? You, you don't have to, just
1: if
5: there was something that came up, you know. My Zoom crashed just as they were starting the scene. So I was over here, like, frantically trying to get back on. I was like, oh, God, please don't miss my entrance. Please don't miss my entrance. So it was all that extra little, um, you know, uh judge of nerves was good but um i i think i i i think it went pretty well so
2: yeah uh,
5: good. i said yeah. i said clown he offered him the clown i was like no well, that's dumb like, like
2: <laughs> i didn't even hear that that's good yeah maybe that. uh yeah it's a whole new technique just panic exactly. nine seconds before you come on uh, exactly. elizabeth <laughs> excuse me anything in particular
3: I, um, I don't know if this was because I just came off of, uh, four hours of teaching 38 teenagers, but I felt like I was chewing the scenery. I felt like I was being like really animated. And I, I don't know if that was just a holdover from trying to get 38 kids motivated. I felt over it. So over the top.
2: Um, well, I, I would reassure you that you weren't so over the top, uh, 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 it, it it was perhaps slightly energizing you more than you needed um uh, i noticed you, you began to sort of i think accelerate through some of those longer speeches more than you more than you needed to so i think you can take this as an opportunity to settle down but but don't don't feel that you were way over the top because you weren't it was actually really good um uh, i'll give you i'll i'll tell you two things that i i noticed that i think um might help you the next time through and I know I've mentioned this before and you're doing it really well. I just want you to go even further is to make sure you stay on voice. It it can get quite tempting to get all sort of TV and filmic and you know since we since the mic is so close we can talk that way but it's just always better when you're rooted um two reasons your the actual sound carries more information, you know. And it and it roots you better um uh in terms of your thoughts or, or emotionally, uh, because the second thing was, and this, this may be what, what you felt was over the top or overacting. Um, I, I think, um, I, I don't know what causes it, but I think you can be a, a little, uh, uh, there's something sort of, a, a che- you're naturally a cheerful person. So there's something a little more cheerful about Cassius, There's a little too much, there's a little more smile in her than there needs to be. I'm not saying you can never use it because it's, it's one of, one of your tools of, of persuasion working with, um, Brutus in particular. And it's, it's wonderful. Let's just not have it be your default thing. Right.
3: Yeah. I hear that. Good.
2: Great. Um, uh, the, the The whole thing start, started off i thought extremely well just i I had uh, for the benefit of the people watching I had urged all these guys to really take their time, perhaps you know slightly over observe pauses and shifts in intention um, uh, the first time through again to to reacquaint themselves with the scenes and it was just an excellent start um the, the stuff around uh, Elizabeth, uh, can you see your face was just terrific. You, you really gave him time to see if he was going to answer and he gave the answer and then you just wonderful stuff. Um, this is, um, a, a note I've given before. This is my particular line reading, but I really like it. Uh, when he says, when uh, Brutus says, I, I fear something and you, I, I think, I still think the re- better reply is, um, I do you fear it so that do is operative, not fear so much um, it's It's what uh, Dakin Matthews would call old news the The fear part of that is old news. Um, Peter, excellent as always, just be a little careful of drifting into a slightly m- mid-atlantic speech. that happens sometimes. You know what i mean it It gets just a couple of times. Um oh and now I gotta look because I made a few actual line notes here. Uh Cassius you should probably get this next time, but I'm just gonna say it. Uh is very much lamented, Brutus, that you have no mirrors as will turn your hidden worthiness into your eye, that you might see your shadow. One thought, right? There's a comma in there, but don't don't give it a lot of weight. Uh again. This is for my mind, um again uh Cassius, only because you have so many words uh around line one o four uh and uh Gideon can correct me here if you want uh the line is, "I was born as free as Caesar, so were you the i and u I think are the uh, antithesis there, and um. It's the, I don't know, it's kind of the start of a thought. It's a, a, a is that I always forget this. Is that a spondee where we have a emphasis? It's not an iambic foot. Um, a trochee. it's a trochee, trochee, trochee. Spondee is two, two stresses. Two stresses, Yes. A trochee. Anyway, I was born as free as Caesar. So were you, right? That's, it's not, it's
1: not an ass. Don't give her that ass. I was born free. Bumped oh, I was born up.
2: free as Caesar. Yes. Sorry. My mistake. That's,
1: that's okay. I just didn't want her to hear it. No, no. Uh
2: Yeah. So is that. Um Again, this is interpretation, but I get to be the director, so I'll tell you what I prefer. Uh, the fault, dear Brutus, is not in our stars, but in ourselves that we are underlings. Again, they've put a, comma in here, but in ourselves that we are underlings. I like it better if it flows straight through. You got that? Again, fielder's choice, but that's what I prefer. Um, uh, You guys were great about picking up these places where uh, speeches were finished and someone's about to leave or um, attempting to interrupt somebody. Great stuff. Um, Brutus, this is a line for you way around, um, 195, talking about the people who are walking in. Here's, it's another one that would be better flowing together. And again, this may be the, you know, it's been a week. Uh, and Cicero looks with such ferret and such fiery eyes as we have seen him in the Capitol. All one thing. He broke it up more than it needed to be. Uh. Cassius, I really like it when um, this line knows Caesar hath it not, but you and I and Honest Casca, we have the falling sickness, is more of an aside. Okay? And Honest Casca, but you and I and Honest Casca, we, we have the falling sickness. Yeah. Um, Casca, this is a small thing, and I think you're getting it correct. I just want to make sure that it's a slightly confusing line to read and sometimes hear. Uh, 276, when you say, uh, the common herd was glad he refused the crown, and he plucked me up his doublet. Just be careful we don't – be careful. Make sure we know that plucked me up means – he opened his own doublet. Not that he asked me to open his doublet.
1: Oh, right. an ethical it, dative. Pardon? The grammatical term is the ethical dative, and the me does is not an object. It's just a throwaway.
2: Yeah. So you really want to be sure that me, I think, is attached to the pluck, right? Pluck me ope his doublet. Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. Not pluck me ope his doublet. You see what I mean? There's a tiny mm-hmm. little difference mm-hmm. there um because i know the first time i read that i always think what cat Ka- he asked casca to pull his own doublet it yeah that's what it sounds yeah. like
5: yeah. um
2: uh i don't think i i don't think i wrote anything else down um uh think of oh uh cassius think of the world was terrific um the, the bit where we were thinking, I remember I used to, uh, I, I referred to Iago in the what now, what now, what, um, what you know, I've forgotten what the Iago line is, but what shall I do? How am I going to work this out? I think you can again, afford to give yourself a little more time. Um, I think we, 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 I sort of decided the break comes for who's so firm that For who's so firm that cannot be seduced? Give yourself a nice little break there. It's like, all people are like this. Okay, now specifically, how am I going to deal with this case? Okay? Give yourself the time there.
1: Gideon, do you have some things you want to throw in? I I have a bunch of what Peter just called word burbles, um, (laughs) and I'm happy to go over them if people would like, uh, and a couple of suggestions. So we'll go back from the start at line thirty four um, uh Brutus of that quick spirit that is in antony. you left out the in right Uh peter at line fifty one construe rather than construe i know it when i did it I, I, knew, <laughs> I, knew, you, I knew you did um, sixty two cassius um you paused after turn, and I think it's an enjambed line, so you want to get through to the end of the thought. You have no such mirrors as will turn your hidden worthiness into your eye. Uh, 103, Cassius. In awe of such a thing as I myself, I think you left out the "I." In awe of such a thing as I myself. Um, one eleven. Oh, we talked about making this a real question. Darest thou, Cassius, leap into the flood and swim to yonder point? Throw the voice up there for it to be a real question. Uh One seventeen. Where? Be, but ere we could arrive, the point proposed. You, you're adding the at, and there's no at there. Uh, one forty-five. Am I going too fast, Elizabeth? Or am I? okay, all right, one forty-five. Um. Oh, that—that's just. This is my general everybody note. Two is two and not ta, and I just heard to find ourselves. Um, one fifty-one. I want you to try hitting that instead of name. You've been talking about. Brutus and Caesar. What should be in that word Caesar? Why should that name see if that see if that works? Uh, one sixty six. Um, oh, you inverted the two words. What when there is in it but only one man? You said it's one only. Okay, you got it. One eighty three. <laughs> uh, Brutus. Um oh, I, I think that you said, uh, th- th- under these hard conditions at this time, and it's under these hard conditions as this time is like to lay upon us. Did you, did you catch yourself doing that? I didn't, but I probably did. Okay, so just uh, bringing it to your attention. Um Casca 254 um oh you're you're still pausing after still before as i'm I still am challenging you to think of still as as a unit. it means whenever it's not continuously pause as he refused it it's still as he refused it whenever he refused it each time he refused it. So I'm still not hearing that. Okay, 275. Um, The common herd was. You changed it to were glad. And I think it matters because the herd is behaving as one person, sort of. Um, 284. Oh, I know what happened. Um, Instead of pausing after hearts and then making but the real beginning of the next phrase... You you finished hearts and then you said, but, and then there was a long pause. And then you went into the rest of the sentence. And Mm -hmm. I just think that's one of my example. That's an example of where I say the audience falls through a trap door. Like, what are we supposed to get from the but without what follows it? Um, 296, Casca, you left off news too. Uh, I could tell you more, you said. Oh, yeah. more news too. Uh, 322, Cassius. What was my note? Oh, I think you can hit from a little bit to mean, uh, away from. It, I see the, the honorable metal may be wrought. It can be manipulated away from what it is normally disposed to or what it is naturally disposed to. So that the from doesn't just mean wrought because of or wrought by means of, but wrought away from. Great. You got me? Okay, you nodded. Um, And the last one, 332, um, I think you can bring out that word ambition. It's really summing up the scene. And it's the thing they're afraid of about Caesar. That is his ambition. And so I think in those letters you're going to have thrown in at the windows, the point is you're going to glance at Caesar's ambition, which is going to move people to resist. That's line 332. Got it? Good. That's it. Good work, guys. Really good work.
2: Great. Uh, So having said all that um th- th- that that w- th- a lot of those were um very small things and uh, continuations of things we've been working on uh, I just thought it was a super first go um so now we've had a a, a chance to go through it and um relax into it a little bit so l- let's do the whole th- uh, and i there's no need to work any section I just want you guys to you know, shake shoulders out, take a few deep breaths before we get started again. I mean, really physically settle yourselves back down, and um, and let's go through it again. And and as opposed to being quite so deliberate as we had hoped to be the first time, just. One of the again for those of you who are listening, one one of the techniques we we like to we like to use, and I use, and everybody here enjoyed, was what's called an Italian rehearsal. So I don't, I'm not looking for that kind of pace through the scene. But let's just feel free to keep it moving. Again, observing all that wonderful stuff you found, those questions that are real questions, um, those really significant breaks when you change your intention or try to. Take a new tack on a thought or make a discovery. All those wonderful things, uh, keep those in. So I'm going to go away and I really want you, um, um, Elizabeth and Peter to give yourselves a, a good few moments before we, we start this again. Um, and uh, we will just wait for you. Thanks.
3: Will you go see the order of the course?
4: <laughs> Not I.
3: I pray you do.
4: I am not gamesome. I do lack some part of that quick spirit that is in Antony. Let me not hinder Cassius your desires. I'll leave you.
3: Brutus! I do observe you now of late. I have not from your eyes that gentleness and show of love as I was wont to have. You bear too stubborn and too strange a hand over your friend that loves you. Cassius,
4: be not deceived. If I have veiled my look, I turn the trouble of my countenance merely upon myself. Vexed I am of late with passions of some difference, conceptions only proper to myself, which give some soil, perhaps, to my behaviors. But let not, therefore, my good friends be grieved, among which number, Cassius, be you one, nor construe any further my neglect than that poor Brutus with himself at war, forgets
3: the shows of love to other men. Then, Brutus, I have much mistook your passion, by means whereof this breast of mine hath buried thoughts of great value, worthy cogitations. Tell me, good Brutus, can you see your face?
4: (laughs) No, Casus, for the eye sees not itself, but by reflection, by some other things.
3: Tis just. And it is very much lamented, Brutus, that you have no such mirrors as will turn your hidden worthiness into your eye, that you might see your shadow. I have heard where many of the best respect in Rome, except immortal Caesar, speaking of Brutus and groaning underneath this age's yoke, have wished that noble Brutus had his eyes.
4: Into what dangers would you lead me, Cassius, that you would have me seek into myself for that which is not in me?
3: Therefore, good Brutus, be prepared to hear. And since you know you cannot see yourself so well as by reflection, I, your glass, will modestly discover to yourself that of yourself which you yet know not of. And be not jealous on me, gentle Brutus. Were I a common laughter, or did use to stale with ordinary oaths my love to every new protester? If you know that I do fawn on men and hug them hard and after scandal them, or if you know that I profess myself in banqueting to all the rout, then hold me dangerous.
4: What means this shouting? I do fear the people choose Caesar for their king.
3: I do you fear it. Then must I think you would not have it so.
4: I would not, Cassius. And yet I love him well. But wherefore do you hold me here so long? What is it that you would impart to me? If it be aught towards a general good, set honor in one eye and death in the other, and I will look upon both indifferently. For let the gods so speed me as I love the name of honor
3: more than I fear death. I know that virtue to be in you, Brutus, as well as I do know your outward favor. Well? Honor is the subject of my story. I cannot tell what you and other men think of this life, but for my single self, I had as leave not be, as live to be in awe of such a thing as myself. I was born free as Caesar, so were you. We both have fed as well, and we both can endure the winter's cold as well as he. For once... Upon a raw and gusty day, the troubled Tiber chafing with her shores, Caesar said to me, "Darest thou, Cassius, now leap in with me into this angry flood and swim to yonder point?" Upon the word, accrued as I was, I plunged in and bade him follow. So he did. Indeed, he did. The torrent roared, and we did buffet it with lusty sinews, throwing it aside and stemming it with hearts of controversy. But ere we could arrive, the point proposed, Caesar cried, help me, Cassius, or I sink. I, as Aeneas, our great ancestor, did from the flames of Troy upon his shoulder, the old Anchises bear, so from the waves of Tiber did I, the tired Caesar. And this Man is now become a god, and Cassius is a wretched creature, and must bend his body of Caesar carelessly, but not on him. You gods, it doth amaze me, a man of such a feeble temper should so get the start of the majestic world, and bear the palm alone.
4: Another general shout. I do believe that
3: these applauses offer some new honors that are heaped on Caesar. Why man, he doth bestride the narrow world like a colossus, and we, petty men, walk under his huge legs and peep about to find ourselves dishonorable graves. Men, at some point, are masters of their fates. The fault, dear Brutus, is not in our stars, but in ourselves that we are underlings. Brutus and Caesar. What should be in that Caesar? Why should that name be sounded more than yours? Write them together. Yours is as fair a name. Sound them. It doth become the mouth as well. Weigh, then, it is as heavy. Conjure with them. Brutus will start a spirit as soon as Caesar. Now in the names of all the gods at once. Upon what meat does this our Caesar feed that he has grown so great? Age thou art shamed. Rome thou hast lost the breed of noble bloods. When went there by an age since the great flood, but it was famed with more than with one man? When could they say till now that talked of Rome, that her wide walks encompassed but one man? Now it is Rome indeed and room enough when there is in it but one only
4: man. That you do love me, I am nothing jealous. What you would work me to, I have some aim. How I have thought of this and of these times, I shall recount hereafter. For the present, I would not, so with love I might entreat you, be any further moved. What you have said, I will consider. What you have to say, I will with patience hear and find a time both meet to hear and answer such high things. Till then, my noble friend, chew upon this. Brutus had rather be a villager than to repute himself a son of Rome under these hard conditions, as this time is like to lay upon us.
3: I am glad that my weak words have struck, but thus much show a
4: fire from Brutus. The games are done, and Caesar is returning.
3: As they pass by, pluck Casca by the sleeve and he will, after his sour fashion, tell you what hath preceded worthy note today.
4: I will do so. <laughs> but look you, Cassius. The angry spot of glow on Caesar's brow and all the rest look like a chidden train. Calpurnius cheek is pale. And Cicero looks with such ferret and such fiery eyes as we have seen him in the capital, being crossed in conference by some senators. Casca will tell us what the matter is.
5: You pulled me by the cloak. Would you speak
4: with me? Aye, Casca, tell us what hath chanced today that Caesar looks so sad.
5: You were with him, were you not?
4: I should not then ask Casca what had chanced.
5: Why, there was a crown offered him. And being offered him, he put it by with the back of his hand, thus. And then the people fell a-shouting.
4: Uh, what was the second noise for?
5: Why, for that, too.
3: They shouted thrice. What was the last cry for?
5: Why, for that, too. The crown was offered him thrice. Ay, Mary, was. And he put it by thrice, every time gentler than other. And at every putting by, mine honest neighbor shouted.
3: Who offered him the crown?
5: Why, Antony.
4: Tell us the manner of it, gentle Casca.
5: I can as well be hanged as tell the manner of it. It was mere foolery. I, I did not mark it. I saw Mark Antony offer him a crown, yet twas not a crown neither. It one of these coronets. And as I told you, he put it by once. But for all that, to my thinking, he was fain to have it. Then he offered it to him again. Then he put it by again. And to my thinking... He was very loath to lay his fingers off it. And then he offered it the third time. He put it the third time by. And still as he refused it, the rabblement hooted and clapped their chopped hands and threw up their sweaty nightcaps and uttered such a deal of stinking breath. Because Caesar refused the crown, that it had almost choked Caesar. For he swooned and fell down at it and for my own part. I durst not laugh, for fear of opening my lips and receiving the bad air.
3: But, soft, I pray you, what, did Caesar swoon?
5: He fell down in the marketplace and foamed at mouth and was speechless.
4: It is very like he hath the falling sickness.
3: No, Caesar hath it not, but you and I and Honest Casca, we have the falling sickness.
5: I know not what you mean by that, but I am sure Caesar fell down. If the tag-rag people did not clap him and hiss him according as he pleased and displeased them as they used to do the players in the theater. I am no true
4: man. What said he when he came unto himself? Mary, before he fell down, when he perceived the common herd was
5: glad he refused the crown, he plucked me up his doublet and offered them his throat to cut. And I had been a man of any occupation. If I would not have taken him out a word, I would, I might go to hell among the rogues. And so he fell down. When he came to himself again, he said, if he had done or said anything amiss, he desired their worships to think it was his infirmity. Three or four wenches where I stood cried, alas, good soul, and forgave him with all their hearts. But there's no heed to be taken of them. If Caesar
3: had stabbed their mothers,
5: they would have done no less.
4: And after that, he came thus sad away. I
3: did Cicero say anything?
4: I he spoke Greek.
3: To what effect? <laughs> May
5: I tell you that I'll never look you in the face again. But those that understood him smiled at one another and shook their heads. But for mine own part, it was Greek to me. I could tell you more news too. Morales and Flavius, for pulling scarves off Caesar's images, are put to silence. Very well. There was more foolery yet, if I could remember it.
3: Will you sup with me tonight, Casca?
5: No, I'm promised forth.
3: Will you dine with me tomorrow?
5: Aye, if I be alive and your mind hold and your dinner worth the eating.
3: Good, I will expect you
5: do so farewell both
4: what a blunt fellow was this grown to be he was quick metal when he went to school
3: so is he now in execution of any bold or noble enterprise however he puts on this tardy form this rudeness is a sauce to his good wit which gives men's stomach to digest his words with better appetite
4: and so it is for this time I will leave you. Tomorrow, if you please to speak with me, I will come home to you. Or if you will, come home to me, and I
3: will wait for you. I will do so. Till then, think of the world. <sighs> well, Brutus, thou art noble. Yet I see thy honorable metal may be wrought from that is disposed. Therefore it is meet That noble minds keep ever with their likes. For who's so firm that cannot be seduced? Caesar doth bear me hard, but he loves Brutus. If he were Brutus now, if I were Brutus now, And he were Cassius, he should not humor me. I will this night... In several hands, in at his window's throw, as if they came from several citizens' writings, all tending to the great opinion that Rome holds of his name, wherein obscurely Caesar's ambition shall be glanced at. And after this, let Caesar seat him sure, for we will shake him, or worse days endure.
2: Well, that was fantastic. That was really good, y'all. Um, I, I, I have uh, really, I mean, there's there's no point in giving a little corrections because there aren't any. Um, uh, <laughs> I hope that people are watching saw how effectively all of you guys could take notes on the fly like that. Um, uh, Elizabeth, when you said, uh, think of the world this time, it sort of made my hair stand on end. That was really good. There was lots of just wonderful stuff throughout um I, uh, I, I think I'll open it up to you three first of all to speak in general and then I'd like to have um, each of you speak a little bit about um, working on these characters or just combine it all. And uh, actually, Howard, I'd like to start with you because <laughs> Asuka is obviously the least well known of these three characters and, um uh, we, you, you have made, um, a, a remarkable journey, uh, in the course of, um, defining this guy who I think all of us thought was, you know, what's the deal with Casca? You know, other than just reporting information and you've made him into a, a, a quite a fascinating character. So, um, talk to us a little bit about, about that particular journey because I think it's, it's been very impressive.
5: Well, I think, I think for me, the, the note that you gave me that was you gave me two notes that really helped me a lot but the the one that was really the most um, I think defining was was thinking about you you described the scene as casca asserts his primacy and suddenly it became um, not just this this long Beat about sort of snarky reportage, but it became that I was really trying to impress something upon them or gain status via them. You know, I think, I think throughout this first half of the play, you feel these guys constantly jockeying for status amongst each other. And to me, that was the, that was, that sort of really kind of set it free. That, that it wasn't just, here's, here's a story, here's another story, here's another story, but it became, what can I get from Cassius? What can I get from Brutus? What can? How can I impress them? How can I wow them? How, you know, whatever he's doing, moment for moment, um, that was really useful. The other note that was really great, I think, was, um, uh, you know, I had always thought of him as just sort of this rough-hewn. Um, character and you had described him at some point as this sort of front porch lawyer or front front porch politician or something like that, you know, sort of in the, in the tradition. And, and then I sort of, I don't know, I just kind of latched onto the visual of Will Rogers with this kind of aw shucksy, you know, and then here's some folksy wisdom and here's, you know, here's how the world works kind of thing. And that would, that really helped me a lot too, kind of to, um you know, just, just to ground him in something that was a little more real.
2: Uh, great, great, very interesting. And, and uh, I'd I like to point out that, um, Howard did some actual research on the actual guy, which was quite fascinating, uh, to see how, uh, Shakespeare, I mean, he's a real person, uh, or he was a real person, uh, Shakespeare took that information, um, again, Gideon, please correct me, um, that he'd learned from Plutarch and used some of it and discarded other parts of it, the parts that didn't really serve the play. Um, it was an interesting little um, bit of research. Um, uh, let me let me move now uh, to Elizabeth. because Can I ask you, a
1: question before sure. you oh, yeah. to the next person? Yeah. Howard, um, I, I only took three notes this time, but they were all things that I wanted to ask you about, the three of you. At line um, 280, 81, 82, When you're reporting what Caesar said, I just wonder, and Jeffrey, you can give your opinion here, what it would be like if you imitated Caesar's voice in, in those two lines. He said, you're, you're obviously speaking in the third person, but would it be fun, would it be fun to do it in the kind of, I don't know, self-glorifying voice that Caesar uses in the marketplace?
2: Sure. on, on, uh, a question, but when he said he desired their worships to think it was his infirmity, that, yeah, yeah, that's an interesting idea.
1: Yeah. Isn't that interesting? It just yeah. occurred to me this time for the first time. Anyway, that's, I just wanted to throw that
5: out. Sure. I uh, think there's I, several, there's several places the, through the scene where he could do that too. Yeah. Took, yeah. Uh,
2: I, I admire the way all of you sort of took, uh, took it, the opportunity to do that, to make to make your disparaging remarks really disparaging or to when you're mocking Caesar, you know, um, that, that was, that was great. And it, the whole thing had had this wonderfully, um, clear and contemporary actually feel to it. I mean, we could understand it so well. And when you, you know, when you were doing your thumbs in the suspenders guy, Howard, or, or, I think, Elizabeth, at some point you actually did put on a, a funny voice. It sounds like normal speech, the way we actually talk all the time. It's extremely well done. Um, so, uh, Elizabeth, I just wanted to ask you about, about how you felt about doing this. I know at one point um, uh I, I mentioned something about um, uh, not seeing – yourself as doing a, a man's role, a woman doing a man's role, but uh, as Cassius as a woman. And um, I, which I think you managed to pull off really interestingly. And um, th- do you want to talk about that or anything else in, in the course of working on this character?
3: It's very different from anything I've ever done before. Uh, you know, I'm thinking of angry women in Shakespeare like Margaret and, and Paulina, and they are so emotional. And so keeping all of that, um, yeah, it's, it's it was, um, it's not in my wheelhouse, this. So keeping everything in and like not being like, please like me, you know, like I was before, um, which is a holdover from definitely working with teenagers. <laughs> please like me. Be yeah.
1: Yeah.
3: Um, <laughs> please be quiet. <laughs> yeah. And so that's, I think that I realized that that must be a default for me. And so this, um, whipped my ass. I mean, really did. It was really hard to just be like, I'm not taking every anything personally. Not, And I don't know if that's because of Shakespearean women being so emotional and everything exclamation points. Think of Joan of Arc, think of Paulina, Queen Margaret, and this not being that way, but using all of the words for the long game. Yeah. It's different, yeah, very different for me, for me and any other role I've ever played in Shakespeare.
2: That's, that's terrific. I mean, I think there are, uh, certainly women, uh, um, um, you know, uh, oh Christ, uh, Winter's Tale is classic. Yeah. She's Hermione and, um, you know, Rosalind, the, the, they aren't, uh, e- emotional women. They they have deep emotions, but, but they're not, you know, they're not s- uh, screaming Queens either. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I just, I think you did terrific work. Uh, I think it's an often a, a default thing. I notice it in um, in many actors, men and women, but frankly, women more often. Uh, there's um, and I, this is nothing on you, but I'm sure you notice it too. It, the, the, you, you'll we'll add a little smile, or we'll add, we'll do something to take the heat off or the the deep intention of what we're saying. Um, and um, I think it's something we all have to be careful of, to you know. It, which you you really were executed well on this last time, but all the way through it got gradually more and more as as you were willing to make Cassius you rather than your idea of cassius it got it got really rich, so well done I
3: mean what I say to my students all the time, do you can't play a quality, you have to play the action, and um I think yeah, you're at sea a little bit without with take away I'm not going to show the audience how I feel about anything just. What my goal is, achieving my goal. It's, it's, this was really, um, you know, uh, I can't think of the words, but very, very, like, that's everything in this, in yep. this scene. That's everything. Yep. Don't show us how you feel about everything. Don't, don't, don't play a quality, play an action. Um, and so I had to really, really stay focused on that.
2: Great. Uh, Peter? Got anything to, I I mean what what I find so interesting about Brutus in this is how reactive he has to be through, throughout. I mean with um you know he you know he's a, he's in the tradition of of Hamlet and all these people who are trying to figure things out. Um
4: yeah the interesting thing for me was you know he's he's a classic st- stoicist, right? He's a he's a stoic. Um and he wants to hide Everything he's feeling, even though there's so much going on underneath, you know he's he actually says to Cassius you know what are you trying to make me do that's that's not in me, even though later on he says that's pretty much basically all he's been thinking about right? <laughs> um, uh and that's kind of fun to do is to try to keep that kind of bubbling trouble that's happening underneath um and and not try to not let people see it. And then of course when Casca comes in he becomes he becomes Jack Webb, basically, you know, just the facts. <laughs> um because he doesn't trust him. He doesn't uh even though he starts to open up to cassius as soon as Casca comes in he shuts it all down. Um that's kind of fun to work on.
2: It it is. Uh, uh terrific job and I I actually took a note on um uh what is it when you say I wouldn't have asked you if I were there.
4: Yeah, exactly.
2: Freaking hilarious. Um, you, you guys all mind such great humor from this, uh, you know, with your mockingness. With uh, And, and I, I'm, a, I'm a great believer in injecting as much humor as you can into, particularly into tragedies, because it um, it humanizes the, the people, it makes you miss them more when they're gone. Um, I have a question
1: for Peter, if you don't yeah. mind.
2: Please, I'm done.
1: Peter, I want to know how one can do this. If you look at line 179. Yes. Shakespeare inverts the words. He he says both meet to hear and answer. And I think that both modifies hear and answer, both hear and answer. But he interrupts it with that word meet, meaning appropriate. So I want to know whether... Cause I don't know how I would do it, but I want to know whether there's a way to make the both jump over to applying to hear an answer and not, and not let me get in the way. Do you know what I mean? I do. Hmm. Um, it just seems to me yes. a really interesting problem in speech.
4: <laughs> yeah. yeah. When you first read it, it seems as if he's saying that We will find a time to both hear and answer such high things. But maybe what he's saying is we'll find a time to meet, to both meet, to hear and answer. But
1: he's not saying both of us, us meet. He's not saying, oh, find a time both. No, because he'd have to say to meet. There's no two. I think meet here means appropriate.
2: I, I, I agree with you, but I also have to say that when, when I hear Peter do it, I understand it as, um, I'll, I'll find a time to hear an
1: answer. The, yeah, the, I, I, I did too. That's, I think that's what oh, I hear.
2: So it seems to be working.
1: It, it was, it was working, but this, then it's working so well that I've never thought of it before. <laughs> uh, when I actually looked at it, I thought, well, that's, uh, that's odd. He put that word meat in the way. Anyway, I just – I wanted to pose that as a Shakespeare speech challenge. It is a conundrum. It's
4: a, I think there's a lot of ways to sort of play with it. Yeah. Um,
2: well, I, I'm uh, sort of done. I uh, – and And our people are, and Nathan, you want to come on? I just once again, uh you guys, you three super super duper work, really,
1: really, really good work, and lots and lots of fun to hear it grow,
0: yeah, 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 um wonderful work and uh and to to jump right off what Gideon said uh, uh, you know, even with a great group of actors to see how this uh, uh grows from from the first week, just to kind of read it and uh, and, and then just from week to week, it's, it's really wonderful. I will, uh, attempt to go through, uh, uh, the, the chat window and pull everything out, um, that, that people have been, um, uh, sharing. Um, just a reminder again, if you have questions, uh, you know, you can write them in the chat or I will try to keep an eye out if you want to use the Zoom hand function or if you're brave enough to, uh, you know, just turn your mic off and, and, or turn your mic on, I should say, unmute yourself. And you want to ask a question? Uh, please feel free. <clears throat> um, I did want to say, you know, it, we kind of brought it up on Monday. Um, we, we were talking about humor, and, and Jeffrey, you, you brought that point up. And uh, uh, James Newcomb, who was directing the midsummer scene, he said, you know, I, I feel like it's almost cruel to do a midsummer scene on Zoom because you don't get the audience uh, reaction. And I was thinking about that more. Uh, you know, and, and I think absolutely there, there's something to be said about that reaction. And, and obviously, you know, there was, there were some funny parts to the scene, but it's almost like it keeps the actor more honest, uh, in this medium because you, you're not, you're, you can't play for laughs to, to some degree that, that you have to play the scene straight, so to speak. And so um rather than an actor night after night going, Oh, here, here you know, they're they're really gonna laugh at this, they're really gonna enjoy this, it, it, it almost forces you to really play the circumstances of the scene. Um but uh and and yeah I'm sure there were more than just me uh laughing at uh, many parts of this. So um uh there were uh some some uh applause emojis uh flying around during some of the uh or after some of the scenes. But let me see uh, what people have said. Uh, yeah, some bravos and excellence. Uh, uh, Eleanor said, uh, taking a day off from juggling practice lets one unlearn one's mistakes. So taking a week off from a play might let one unlearn the canned readings one has gotten stuck into. Um, uh, very possible. Uh, Maggie says, Elizabeth, after the first run, I loved your emotions. I say it totally worked. Um, Marcelo also says, I certainly didn't think it was over the top. Um, uh, Jill, uh, says a uh, fantastic point. Elizabeth Cassius, when played by a woman appears to utilize so many different tactics that are unexpected. Um, let's see. Uh, and, uh, Jean says, uh, uh, I want to say thank you. It's been so long since I've had a chance to sit in and watch some really wonderful actors and a great director work on Shakespeare. You all were wonderful. Uh, so, um, that, uh, that's what some, some of the, uh, comments have been. Um, and, uh, again, yeah, uh, Please, uh, uh, those listening and watching, feel free to, uh, you know, ask any other questions or share any other feedback. Um, I just had a couple, uh, things I wanted to ask. Uh, uh, Howard, um, you know, kind of on the point Jeffrey was, was talking about this, this dramatic structure where you have two established, uh, actors in a scene or, or two established characters in a scene and then a third comes in. Um, it is really interesting to see that third character be able to hold his own against two other characters, and, and and I think to to Jeffrey's point, you know, you really worked, and and I really enjoyed hearing what you were working on uh, as as the actor and the character, because uh, I think I, I think you did uh, you did really hold your own, and suddenly you know, even though we had been watching Brutus and Cassius, now it was like well what's what's casca doing and what's what's going on here so i I think that you know it was just a really great journey to see you come into that scene and be as strong of a presence uh, as as the two characters that we had so um i you talked a little bit about that, but I just wanted to share uh, that was my uh, perspective watching it um, I would like to ask you though since you you know uh signed up to be part of this workshop uh what your journey uh, has been kind of working on this and and working with this group and doing the text work and doing the vocal work. Uh, you know, if you could just share a little bit about that process.
5: Um, well, I was really grateful this came along right when it did. Um, you know, Gigi Birmingham turned me onto it and, you know, I I've been doing a lot of, um, zoom acting class over this last year. And a lot of it was very, uh, Monologue and soliloquy focus, particularly, you know, doing Shakespeare. And I think people shied away from scenes. And, and I was really kind of, um, hungry for something like this where it's more a give and take and not just here's my well-crafted, you know, um, soliloquy kind of thing. Um, so, and, and also I think I was deliberately looking for, you know, just that kind of community that you get, um, uh you know in rehearsal and and so on um you know as as opposed to, so it, it it could stop being a little bit stop just being you know me in my bedroom learning lines and sort of get out and be working with people i it was also i mean for me you know this was i mean these are not actors of a caliber I'm used to working with. So I was like, I was like, just keep up, just keep up, just keep up. You know, that that was, that was my, that was my subtext. So, um, but it was, it was, it was incredible, you know, you know, um, hitting the ball back and forth with these guys. So. Well, it, yeah. To,
0: to pick up that sports metaphor, they always say that, you know, you should play someone better than you. Uh, <laughs> exactly, so, exactly. uh, yeah. It, um, well, and that, and that's been the fun thing is that, uh, you know, when you, when you, take a, a class and do scene work um, generally uh, the people in the class with you are, you know, around the same uh, level. Uh, and so, you know, what is it like to, you know, bring a lot of people together that have maybe varied uh, experiences, but, you know, you can very quickly see, you know, how somebody takes notes or how somebody makes adjustments or what they're doing um, because, uh, you know, it's, it's been fun to explore. Well, what is it like if, you know, because even if uh you were cast in a play if you were fortunate to be cast in a play at a regional theater and you're doing you know these great roles with these great actors uh you know you just don't have this kind of time to work on the material this way so it's it's been it's been really great to to see that come to life um, and and yeah thank thank you uh uh Howard for for sharing more about uh your inner monologue so to speak <laughs> um, uh Peter I wanted to ask since uh w- I feel like I've been fortunate and we've been fortunate to have you be part of this a few times, uh, these workshops, uh, how have you, uh, you know, what's been your experience of continuing to explore, uh, characters, you know, in, in this way, in this, in this length of time, you know, uh, you know, you worked on, uh, Clarence and, and now, uh, uh, Brutus, um, you know, just what's your been, what's been your, your journey with this or your experience?
4: So it's, I mean, th- th- all three roles that I've done here—Falstaff and, and yes, Clarence yeah. and now Brutus—I've never done. Um, so it's been fun to sort of explore just this tiny little gem section of of each of those plays. Well, we did all of of uh, Mary Wives, but um, for me, it's just you know, it's it's the joy of of uh, Having the opportunity basically to sort of dig into these fascinating characters and, and even if it's only, you know, one scene, it's, uh, mm-hmm. it requires an enormous amount of work and an enormous amount of concentration and dedication to, to bring it to life as well as it needs to be brought to life, uh, in terms of choosing characterizations and understanding the verse and how best to express the verse and, and things like that. It's always, it's always very satisfying mm-hmm. to have the opportunity to, to work with really good people. Both Howard and, and Elizabeth were, were terrific. Um, and to have this material, this material is very special.
0: Yeah. Well, and, and, and as someone, uh, Peter, who has, who has done, you know, a lot of work in regional theaters, I, I imagine it's also uh, a, a Nice to not have to worry about all the other production elements uh, that yeah, exactly. goes along with you know doing a, a role like this
4: there's a, you know there's a, the concentration is on the text yeah. you don 't have to worry about your costumes you don 't have to worry about your dressing room you don 't have to worry about the other actors you know are they going to make their entrance or not um, it, there, there's something very pure about it that that you 're basically just working on clarifying the text yeah um, and that 's that's where you really need to start with any shakespeare play.
5: Yeah.
0: And and well and you know, I'll, I'll say from my own experience I th- I think a good barometer is you know, if you're if you're pulled into the the story with just one scene and you want to see where this goes. Uh you know, even if it's a story that you're, you know, familiar with like Julius Caesar, you know, based on the work that you guys did here, it's just like well, yeah. Let's 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 see where the, where this is going. Like, I want to see the continuation of these characters in the story, because there's such uh, specificity um, that, that you guys all, you know, all of you as a team, you know, brought to uh, uh, this scene. Um, so, uh, thank you again to everybody. Uh, I'll, I'll mention another comment here. Uh, uh, Joe said uh, Elizabeth as Cassius wants to manipulate and convince without being obvious, to conspire without sounding so and instead to be somewhat chummy instead. Uh, I thought she hit the, that spot well, but wonder if Elizabeth is thinking that way. So uh, Elizabeth, did you have any comments on that? I can, I'm can i gonna read that again if you need me to.
3: Yeah, th- I hear it again.
0: So it says, Elizabeth is Cassius, wants to manipulate slash convince without being obvious, to conspire without sounding so, and instead be somewhat chummy. I thought she hit that spot well, but I wonder if Elizabeth is thinking that way.
3: Yes. I think that I was thinking of being more inviting, more welcoming than bombarding, you know, come, come along, you know, we have a plan and it's going to be great. Everything's going to work out just well, just beautifully. Yeah. Being more inviting. Yeah. Okay, cool. Great.
0: Um, well, good. Uh, I, you know, as, uh, as I've said, uh, or I said the other night or, or here, you know, this would be a good time for me to remind everyone Uh you can um you can sign up for the other evenings that uh we're doing. We have uh King John tomorrow, uh Thursday, uh February eleventh, and then we have As You Like It on uh Friday. Um and I just put a couple links uh oh wait, let me put let me actually put the links in the chat. There we go. Um, so uh, you can sign up again for free tickets for, for Thursday and Friday of uh, two more great groups of, uh, of actors, directors. Uh, and, and, uh, and then uh, if you're interested in the private coaching, a number of the people you've seen here, uh, or, you know, and you will over the week will, you know, are, are there for you to uh, work with. Um, and uh, so, yeah, I, w- I want to make sure everybody has time to ask their questions or leave their comments uh, as they need to, but uh, otherwise, uh, you know, we can, uh, we can kind of wrap up and uh, all the actors and the creative team with this, you guys can all just stay put. Um, you know, we'll, we'll, uh, I'll move you back into the green room, so to speak. But uh, once we're, <laughs> once we're done here, um, let's see. Uh, I think it's Jules says truly amazing how mining the text lights the scene up. It was such a treat to watch notes and experience a difference between take one and take two. Um, yes, I agree. It was, it was, it was really, uh, it was almost fun seeing two versions of the scene that I, I, I you know, Jeffrey, I don't know if, 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 what your take was, but it, you know, to some degree it was like, well, yeah, both worked. I mean, like the, you know, it, it, and it's, oh, yeah. um,
5: yeah. Uh, both worked.
2: And, um, uh, I know you, you'd mentioned, you had talked about two rehearsal techniques that we used. Mm, uh, yes. And I, I mentioned, I'll just say this real quick because nobody's asking any questions. <laughs> um, one, the, the, the first one we use, I, I think, I can't remember now when we do it, I think in the second week, second week third yeah. week, uh, it involves going incredibly slowly through the text and it's, uh, trying in a way to deal with the, the zoom medium, uh, where I ask the actor, whoever is speaking, uh, she has to look down or look on the, wherever, wherever she has the script, um, pick up as much of the, lineage as she can whether that's three words or three sentences and then give it directly to the camera don't look down don't don't look at your partner look directly into the camera the other person in the scene spends his time watching her and nothing else not looking at his script not getting ready um and uh it, it's it's slow and kind of painful at first and then the, 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 and the, the, the person who speaks next doesn't look down until um, he's sort of received the energy. It's like acting 101. When you've received the ball of energy, when you think the speech is over, that's when you look down. M- most of us are uh, generous and thoughtful actors. And as we know the other person is approaching the end of their line, we tend to look down so that we can pick up the cue and then give it right to them. Um, this gets around that. Um, so that each person, as much as possible, speaks directly to their scene partner for uh, as long as possible. It's it's a, a long, a laborious thing, but it works extremely well. It gives everyone a chance to really m- mine the text and get some kind of connection with their scene partner. That's one technique. Uh, the other one, which we do a following week, when we've had a chance to really work um Scenes, do little notes, do line notes. It's fantastic having a dramaturg right here all the time to get, uh, um, scansion correct and all kinds of things. Um, we, we go through and do what I call an Italian rehearsal, which is also extremely demanding. They're often sort of thrown away as just line runs, but the essence to me and um, to those of we all enjoyed doing it. So the people who enjoy doing it is to go through as quickly as you can while maintaining uh, your intentions, maintaining even the pauses. Instead of making it one beat, you make it a, you acknowledge it and move through, but there's never a, there's never a, um, a break between lines and it forces you to act on the line. It forces you to move through things quickly. It forces you to connect thoughts and it's uh, marvelous. Particularly with Shakespeare, although I find it works with almost everything. Um, it, Forces you, the actor, to pick out the operative words. You simply don't have time to wander through the wander through the sentence, you know, thoughtfully re- examining each each tree in the forest. Uh, it, it forces you to really pick up um, operative words, and then, you, of course, next time through, you you hang back of it. So th- those are the two. Um, Things that, uh, Nathan was referring to earlier.
0: Uh. Yeah, thank you, Jeff. Just, just thought I'd add that.
5: Yeah, no, no. He was wondering, wondering what our secret
0: I, sauce is made of. <laughs> I, don't, I don't, you know, um, no, I thank you for bringing that up. Um and, and it is great that, uh, you know, with both of those, I mean, certainly, I mean, I can't imagine any, Play rehearsal that would have time to do that one line at a time uh, technique on on stage and and even Italian runs you know you're dealing with the whole play and so just to be able to really narrow down it's it's wonderful that we have that that time here to do that um, I, I wanted to also uh, ask uh, Gideon you know if, if there was anything that you wanted to share of uh, of your experience you know working on this scene. Uh, I mean, I know you you have had a a, a long career of working on Shakespeare, but uh, you know, just in terms of this specific scene or you know what what your journey has been uh, over these last few weeks
1: well i 'll quote a neighbor of mine I asked how he was doing months ago in the height of the lockdowns, and he said uh, i 'm an introvert with o c d so i 'm in heaven <laughs> so i'm i 'm feeling like that on zoom I really don't like zoom at all i really like to be in the theater i like to sure. work face to face but i've been basking in the heavenly pleasure of being allowed to give notes all the way <laughs> through the process and and see people take them and make the thing better and um, i it's just it's a luxury to me because as i i've told my colleagues the most uh, you know, the most I get from both directors and play schedules is one day to respond to a table reading and then maybe the opportunity to pull actors aside and work with them individually while they're not on stage. Um, so I'm always kind of rushing to fill in my notes between, you know, blocking and tech rehearsals and all the other stuff, costumes and um so in this medium i'm feeling uh, the luxurious pleasure of being able to work with superb actors on the text and and uh and watch them bring how i understand shakespeare's meaning alive and it's thrilling it's just absolutely thrilling and i'm very very grateful to all the participants for um putting up with my line notes because in the end, it's a. Uh, I think it's rewarding for me for sure, but it's also I think rewarding for the audience. Yeah, yeah. So that's yeah. that's really all I wanted to say. Just uh, gratitude for the opportunity to work so closely on the text.
0: Well, uh, you know, you're, you're you're very welcome. We're thrilled that you, you can be part of this, and of course. uh you know, that, that word luxury comes up a lot because it's, and you bring up a great point. Not only is it a luxury to take the time for the actors, but uh, for them to be able to work, uh, at this level and, and, and depth, uh, with somebody like yourself, Gideon, you know, to really, really look at the text. And, and I think, uh, I feel like I've witnessed opportunities with all the actors here and in all the scenes, um, where they are, uh, they are better because of something you've heard that even with their level of, of experience, you know, just to have another set of ears or eyes on the text, uh, you know, just bring something out that, you know, and, and certainly the actors who are more experienced can, as you said, can, you know, quickly understand what you're saying and, and figure out how to integrate that to make it, make the scene clear because you know, that's, that's what everyone's objective is, is I want, I want to be clear. I want to tell the story clearly. So no one is working cross purposes. It's just wonderful to have, uh, have you, uh, a part of this. So, um, no, it's been, it's been great. So
1: thank you very much.
0: Cool. Um, well, if there are, if there aren't any more questions, that is totally fine. Uh, if there's anything else that, uh, you know, the, the, the Julius Caesar group wants to add, then, uh, you know, you certainly can. Um, otherwise we can kind of wrap, uh, up the, uh, the public part of this evening. Um, and then, and then we can have the, uh, uh, the Dionysian, uh, uh event afterward. Um, but, uh, uh, yes. Uh, can I, can I just, uh, quickly yes, of
2: that I sort of scrolled through some of the names of people who are watching here and, and, uh, I just want to say thank you to all the people I know who didn't I, I'm delighted to see names like uh Corey and and Jean and uh, megan and th- there are others but i just glanced at them again so thanks thanks for coming along and watching
0: and and i mean that's that's the other wonderful part of of, of this torturous time we're all in is that uh, it's a great way to connect people um that uh uh you know geographically otherwise wouldn't have been able to see the work that you know i mean you know, for, for Peter and, and Elizabeth and, and Howard and Jeffrey and getting to be in the same room and then people all over the country or world to be able to witness that. So it's, there are some bright spots. And actually one of the things that came up on Monday is perhaps this can be a tool uh, going forward for uh, more productions to utilize for that text work for that for that time, um, you know, outside of rehearsal that, um, you know, the, the, the actors and or director and, and, dramaturge can really spend some time focusing on this, uh, because, you know, that rehearsal time is such at a premium. So maybe this can be a way that, uh, that work can still happen. And, and, uh, you know, any actor that has, you know, been through it at this level knows how valuable it is. Uh, and so, yeah, hopefully it can just, uh, be integrated in more productions, but, um, any, any, any final comments from, from anyone on the call? Uh, speak now forever hold your peace I'm, I'll, I'll be forced to put our house music back on but uh, play us all out but um, hey. no cool uh, well okay. good th- again th- thank you all so much hey it's Nathan here one more time uh, thanks so much for tuning in to that uh, entire presentation I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did I love going back I mean every time I watch these I'll learn something new uh, the, the work is just so fantastic and so deep uh it, it's just wonderful so i hope you really enjoy that uh and like i said the plan is to roll out more of these so please stay tuned to the podcast uh or youtube um you know i really i'm really making an effort to uh, you know put more of this out there and not just uh, hold on to it and wait for someday. uh and uh you know if you're not on the email list go to workingactorsjourney.com um that is usually uh where you will find out first about things that are coming up you know, where I first shared about uh, Libby being part of the rehearsal room and anything else that's going on, I probably will be able to email about it first before I'm able to get it out on the podcast uh, or YouTube. Maybe social media, but email is again, gonna be your best bet. So workingactorsjourney.com. It's free to sign up. You can even get uh, a resource. It's called 10 Ways to Stop Worrying and Start Working. Uh, some of the uh, best advice from, I think, the first two seasons of the show uh, in a PDF, so you get that immediately when you uh, sign up. Uh, you get that free, and then you'll get ongoing notices of what we're doing. So that is it. Hope you're having a great rest of your day. Look forward to sharing more with you soon, and take care. I'm Nathan Agin, and enjoy the journey.